You're listening to Solar Insiders, the fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers, with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Clenergy, who provide innovative, high-quality solar solutions to the world. Sunwiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. And Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest edition of the Solar Insiders podcast. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy, one step off the grid and the electric vehicle focused the driven. Not joining me today is Solar Analytics and uh, Solar industry veteran Nigel Morris. Nigel has been laid low for the past week by a virus, um, not the one that we've been trying to dodge for the last nine months, but um, one of the ones that have been sort of sitting there waiting in the background for us to let our, let our guard down. So um, he's been unable to um, even make it to the microphone this week, which sounds like it um, must be um, pretty bad. And uh, we um, hope... Nigel, that you get well really soon, and I'm sure all the listeners out there, if they want to send, send him some bad jokes and stories about electric um, electric motorbikes and uh, <laughs> anything else, um, and some virtual hugs, he'd appreciate it. But look, he's not going to be far away because he's recorded, before he fell sick, a fantastic interview with Stuart Watson from the Port Macquarie region, a, a real solar veteran and electric vehicle pioneer, and uh, we'll bring that interview to you in this podcast and that'll be fantastic. Before we go there, though, I thought I'd just give you a bit of a, um, a roundup of the solar industry news of the last week without the usual banter with Nigel, unfortunately. But um, I guess the headline news coming out today is the extraordinary run of installations that we see continuing into November. 277 megawatts, according to SunWiz, um, one of the solar podcasts sponsors and thanks very much Warwick Warwick Johnson over at Sunwood so 277 megawatts in November um, that's a big rebound from October and it has featured record installations in New South Wales 87 megawatts it's not going to be too long before we see a single state and it's probably going to be New South Wales reach 100 megawatt installation for a single month also posting new records was Western Australia 32 megawatts in a single month and the ACT, five megawatts in a single month. So um, congratulations to everyone down there. The um, other noticeable uh, development was a big rebound in Victoria. Um, Victoria sort of fell to 32 megawatts in September and October, well, less than 32 in September and October, of course, due to the recent lockdown. But as that's been relaxed, um, uh, installations have rebounded. And uh, Queensland was up there at number two with about 68 megawatts, which by the looks of this graph, looks like it might be pretty close to a record, if not a record. But um, anyway, we'll defer to the experts on that. So look, um, that's some pretty solid news out there. Um, and congratulations to um, everyone winning a share of that business. Um, the other interesting thing to come out today um, has been these new draft rules on solar inverter standards in fact new standards that will apply to rooftop solar uh, battery storage um, solar inverters and electric vehicles now basically as everyone knows out there we have had standards but they've kind of been voluntary or not strictly applied the Australian energy market operator because it's very worried about um, what it calls all this uncontrolled rooftop solar out there in the market is trying to sort of crack down on standards 
We've seen in South Australia, of course, um, new standards there which require all inverters newly installed and replaced inverters to have uh, ride-through mechanisms, which means they just don't trip off at the slightest sign of sort of voltage oscillations. And they've even gone so far as to sort of um, introduce the capability to actually switch off uh, newly installed solar. Now, the AMC rules, which will apply to the rest of the market, um, it's hard so far to, to work out exactly how far they're going with this. Um, it will be a strict enforcement of the standards. Interestingly, they've rejected AEMO's proposal that they should be the ones that kind of control this and update them as they go. Um, AMC, for, for reasons um, best known to them, have decided that this best be implemented by the various network operators. That does seem like a kind of, you know, one rule here, one rule there, but they do want it to be standardised. Um, so it it's basically a tighter standard. Um, it notes that the standards will probably be updated before this rule comes into force. Anyway, it's a draft ruling. I'm sure everybody will have something to say about it and put their tuppence worth in to the um, market, market um, commission for its deliberations, and we'll see how that turns out. Um, the submissions are going to be due in about a month's time. They'll probably take another couple of months to figure it out and to frame the final ruling, and then it'll come into effect in six months' time. So. Basically, what I imagine is, is that any inverter manufacturer or anything, rooftop solar or electric vehicle or battery that does not meet the strict new standards or tight, tighter standards, then will not be allowed to be installed. So that is of interest. And um, just by the by, it's interesting that the AMC is also sort of talking about new rules for um, smart meters. But that's really sort of like self-criticism um, and, and uh, admitting that it kind of got it wrong with its reforms from about three years ago and its sort of very sort of economic-focused um, reforms designed to encourage smart meter installation have actually basically come to nothing and hardly anyone's installed a smart meter except for where they've had to. And so they're going to look at that and see how they go forward with that. Um, look, that's probably going to be it for the news of the week. I'm now going to sort of leave you with the interview that Nigel did with Stuart Watson. Um, Stuart Watson, um, you know, we, Nigel and I, as he mentions in the um, interview, who stayed with him a couple of years ago when we attended a sustainability conference there. He's been an electric pioneer, a solar pioneer, sorry, right from the start, you know, off-grid you know, being a bit of a hippie in sort of central central New South Wales or the uh, the, the mid north coast, and he became an electric vehicle pioneer. And then he had an electric boat. He's built a um, his yacht with an electric motor, and that's an interesting story in itself. As is his visits to um, Lord Howe Island, where they are basically kicking diesel off the grid and replacing it with solar, and also introducing electric vehicles. Look, it's a great interview. Um, let's listen to it. Welcome to another interview for Solar Insiders. Uh, today, I'd like to welcome another solar pioneer. We had one uh, last episode, and I managed to managed to find another old guy this week. Uh, uh, another another solar pioneer, and indeed electric vehicle pioneer, Stuart Watson. G'day, Stu, and thanks for joining G'day, us. G'day, Nigel. Yeah, no, no, it's my pleasure. Good on you, mate. I, Giles and I had the pleasure of joining Stu at a sustainability of any port macquarie seems like decades again now uh Stu, but uh, that was only a year or so back congratulations on a wonderful event and thanks for your hospitality so pleasure to have you back on the show and uh to talk about what you've been up to um there, there's so much that you've been up to especially since you know i saw you on the news the other night we'll get there eventually with your escapades <laughs> But, yeah, that wasn't meant meant to happen. That wasn't planned. Yeah. <laughs> but it was a beauty. 
Um, but before we get to that, let's start right back at the beginning, uh, Stuart. Uh, tell us a bit about yourself. How and when did you first get into solar? Let's start right back at the beginning. Uh, right back at the beginning, I, I actually did uh, electronics and communications engineering certificate and communications was my background, particularly broadcasting. I started off in broadcasting and broadcasting led to community radio on the mid-north coast mm-hmm. and, of course, community radio on remote sites uh, led to solar power. <laughs> so I, I suppose burnt-out hippies living in the bush, living on solar power and uh, the need for it at comm sites. I worked in the in the comms industry and and yeah, my first foray into solar was in 79, 80, uh, doing communication sites. Um, I think it was, I'll be corrected on this, but about um, 89, we had the first community uh, solar radio station powered by, yeah, community radio station powered by solar on Mount Cancross here just outside Port Macquarie, which was 2 AFM. That, that was right? a bit of a breakthrough. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And 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 living as fringe dwellers in the bush around Warhope and Port, we had uh, a lot of off-grid systems and uh, we were pretty closely associated uh, with the other pioneer, uh, Brian England, who ran self-sufficiency supplies at Kempsey. Yep, yep. Uh, so those were the days of, you know, the most, the most extensive uh, off-grid systems being six or seven or eight 40 watt solar x or um <laughs> right. bp solar panels right. um yeah yeah and we and we and we thought that was great um <laughs> god bless those old yeah. hippies eh? none of us would be here if it wasn't for yeah. all those old hippies <laughs> yeah no no the, the amount of groundbreaking stuff that was was done by um by brian and, and yeah. people that are running those sort of shows um is is fantastic and i mean brian's still at it i know uh, i know it, 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 it's yeah. incredible isn't it and in fact that was that was the other question i had was okay we know how you got into solar but geez 40 40 something years what drives you man yeah it's been a long road how do you how do you survive i mean you talk imagine there's there's a you know there's some some young entrants into the industry have only been at this for five or six years, maybe uh, listening today. Yeah. How do you survive 40 years? What's your secret, man? Keep it simple, I suppose. <laughs> keep keep uh, a bit of en- enthusiasm. I mean, uh, I had 20, 25 years in the communications side of the electricity industry here, and there was a lot of comm sites that really sponsored development in the solar and you'd know from your bp solar days that they were big buyers then huge and um yeah and rf industries i had a long long involvement with rf industries and their work on comm sites and it was kind of a natural progression that that they got into solar um yeah those and in 1990 yeah sorry the communications and and telecommunications and um you know the early days of telstra well they really they really paved the way for a lot of the technology that we've got today. They've resulted in products being developed and, you know, valuable experiences of uh, for people like you in how to install it, how to deploy it, how to maintain it, how to keep it reliable. All those kinds of lessons came out of really, uh, in Australia particularly, a lot of the formative stuff came right out of that telecommunications industry, didn't it? Uh, absolutely, out of the comm sites. 
Uh, and then my big push forward was, I suppose, not in 95. I was able through the electricity utility to go and do the short course under Martin Green and Muriel Watt, uh, grid-connected photovoltaic systems. And that really just just made me realise that the, you know, the future was in Grid Connect. So got involved with some of the first Grid Connects here on the mid-north coast, some of the Butler power systems, if you remember them. Oh, I do. I remember uh, with the Butler. Yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've got one of his two-kilowatt um, grid interactive inverters here. I really should, uh, listening to Jeff Stapleton's interview, I'll take photographs of that and put that into the pioneers. <laughs> it still works. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, well, that, uh, that, that, that yeah. that's fantastic, mate. And 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 so you you ended up with your own solar business uh, ultimately out of your experience mm. in communications, right? Yeah, that's right. Just a small solar business here in Warhope, kept it local, and we did an ad up the other day, and um, it's nearly approaching four megawatts that they've installed now. Which I know that's only small in terms of these days, but it's still um, yeah gives us a great feeling to think that uh yeah in not in not in 95 when i did that course the engineers um in, in the power industry up here said solar is only ever going to be i remember the terms solar the solar pv industry is only ever going to be a fly on the windscreen of our business <laughs> <laughs> yeah look who's laughing now <laughs> yeah, yeah. while i while i think up my next Please. question for you uh just watch your volume mm. there you're crackling a little bit on me man and I'd, I'd hate to lose this interview because you, you're already um telling me some great stories so just maybe tweak your volume for me so so we've we've yeah. you, you've you've cut your teeth uh, in comms, you've learned about the importance of reliability, of, of um, you know, having products that are reliable and, and, and having to support this stuff in critical elements. It's extended into a, uh, into a solar business. Uh, you, you, you've got into Grid Connect. I'm with you. I can remember, I can remember running a training course in Brisbane when, uh, many, many years ago and trying to launch the first solar Grid Connected kits that uh, we had when I was back at BP Solar and to a room of 50 50 people scoffing at me uh, saying, yeah, mate, this sounds great, but, you know, the, the whole solar industry is about off-grid. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a think. We'll come back to you if we think this grid-connected solar gig's going to actually fly. Uh, and that was, yeah. that was to a bunch of solar people uh, who, uh, who were struggling to get their heads around why anyone in their right mind would actually connect solar to the grid, and, and here we are today. So you ran that business for, for many, many years, um and um along the way you got into electric vehicles as well uh if i'm not mistaken tell me about what you've done because i know you've passed on your genetic disposition uh to solar and ev nerdism to at least one of your children uh yeah you, yeah you, you, no alexi's Alexi, uh, loving his model three alexi's loving it yeah tell us about your experience in, in electric cars you built one right yeah, I was an early member of AEVA, always interested in renewables and electric transport and fascinated by the energy density of the early lithium batteries. So I had a mate who imported the um, the CARB, the China Aircraft Lithium Batteries, and I took the plunge with the Daihatsu Charade. And the objective was to get from Warhope to Port Macquarie, which a round trip, which is 100 kilometres, uh, which wasn't possible with lead acid. Uh, to do 100 kilometres an hour and uh, to get it reasonably efficient. And we got all those sort of things. And uh, that was a decade ago. And when you, if you would have told me then that 
Um, you could have a Tesla Model 3 that does 130 watt-hours per kilometre and it's got a range of um, you know, four, four to 500 kilometres and can do 0 to 100 in, in, in four <laughs> seconds. I would have said you're dreaming. So, yeah. so <laughs> I, I, most, I get excited more about the, uh, about the modern electric cars more, more than anyone just when I realise how good the technology is and how far it's come uh, in such a short it's time. It's mind-blowing. It's mind blowing. It's mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with yeah, I got... you. It, it, it. I, I rode and I was lucky enough to ride in a, a an electric uh, motorcycle with lead acid batteries back in about '98 when I visited the US, um, and um, it got the bug right then and there. And and to see how far we've come now, and and the fact that you can you know buy something just so mind blowing off the shelf now for you know, um, increasingly reasonable money. It's um, yeah, it's hard to hard to imagine uh, ever, that ever being the case back in back in the day. So you you built your own electric car. You owned that for a, a while. You then also you bought an off the shelf car as well. Uh, not after that, right? Yeah, yeah. We've we've actually got fifty thousand k's on a Leaf, and now about thirty thousand on a Model Three, and and love the pair of them. Uh, the the yeah, I think the the technology in the Model Three. I mean, it, I think I think Tesla should get some sort of Nobel Peace Prize for <laughs> releasing those patents of the technology they put into that vehicle. It's just um, pushed uh, electric vehicles worldwide so far ahead so quickly. It's great. It has. It has. It, in yeah. fact, I, I stumbled across an article today which was. Uh, uh, the top ten performance electric vehicles that you can buy if you've you know if, if money's no barrier and it listed you know all these amazing vehicles that you can get around the world um, yeah some of which have never actually been delivered and aren't actually in production but have got huge claims and 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 you know mind boggling you know megawatt power for example out of an electric car that you can buy if you've got the dough yeah um, but right in the midst of it out of the top ten cars Tesla were in there twice. And and that's a production three car yeah. that you can buy already, yeah. uh, and they were right up there in terms of the performance characteristics that you can get. So yeah, no, you know, kudos and, and credit where it's due. So so okay, so you've played around with electric vehicles. You've got a couple in the fleet. You've learned about all these valuable lessons over forty years, and somehow you ended up with uh now we can get to the headline story which was an electric sailboat which will otherwise and forever be known as the solar coaster how the solar coaster as the name that had to be had i mean yeah yeah. we all live through the solar coaster we say yeah the business is up and down like a hooker's knickers (laughs) uh the the, uh the uh the name solar coaster had to be had so I was able, yeah, I've been passionate about sailing for a long time and always thought that electric boats are the way to go. They're such an efficient uh, thing to push through the water and it's been been a great experience. It's on motor number three. We started off with the air-cooled motor energy motor uh, and then a second air-cooled motor energy motor a little bit bigger to give it a bit more grunt and then finally a water-cooled motor so that we could run it extensively and that's been proved in this latest episode that we ran it for 70 hours. <laughs> We're going to come. Uh, we're going to come to your yeah. endurance slash survival yeah. test in a minute. So, okay. So you got you got a a, a, a liquid cooled motor in it. What sort of horsepower are you running in that? Out of interest, or, or kilowatts? You know? It's the it's thirty kilowatt peak, eleven kilowatt continuous. Okay. So it's the, it's the three phase mode energy yep. motor with a 
Sevcon controller, um, 16 kilowatt hours of, of carb battery, and that would be great to, to double that. And it's interesting that in the, in the same weight and space that that six or seven-year-old battery is now, you could quadruple the energy density wow. quite wow. easily. Um, the, the panels running it, running it were originally donated by, uh, I can mention Energy Matters because they're <laughs> not what they used to be. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Uh, so there, there's there's a couple of um, BenQ three thirty watt oh, panels, yeah. the ninety cell panels on the Bimini, and and they were the greatest and latest. But in, in again in that same area, I could double the energy density, yes. and it's nominally for the tech gurus out there seventy two volt um, uh, traction battery, uh, and it's run with AERL um, buck boost. Um, MPPTs that they use for the electric oh, race cars, yeah. which has been fantastic. Nice, nice. Yeah. And yeah. You, so, how much solar? So, so subsequently, they're shipping. Shipping. Sorry, how much solar on. have you got on the boat now? Um, that's only seven hundred watts charging the um yep. the batteries, but typically it sits on the mooring all week, and you've got fifteen kilowatt hours, about you know, four or five hours of of steaming, which is plenty. It's heaps to get us out through the through the um through across the bar and out sailing so it's primarily a sailing boat secondary a solar boat um so we run a little um, so go on yeah i was just going to say so is that is that what the objective was by by you know undoubtedly you know scrimping and saving and spending a lot of your hard-earned money on on uh, on your toy and sailing boats aren't cheap on their own before and that's before you start messing around with electric motors and batteries and you know whatever but you know, was the what was the goal there? It was just simply just to avoid having to run the diesel to motor in and out of port. Is that was that the goal? Yeah, light, lighter, faster, better, and it, it it's worked really well. Um, nice. and a few trips to Lord Howe's proved that we really didn't need to steam for longer than a few hours uh, until you lose your mast. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Okay, this... so we've got the background, we've got the history, yeah. we've got the story. So you love to sail. You go to Lord Howe quite regularly, I believe. You headed off, and recently you headed off for a trip. Um, talk us through this trip. What? What? Why were you going, and um, <laughs> what came out of that trip? Well, it's an it's kind of an annual event getting out to Lord Howe. They used to run the Lord the Sydney to Lord Howe race out there each year from Gosford Sailing Club, but. That got canned a few years back, so we decided that November was still the right time to go out. And with with our business, we did uh, most of the domestic solar out there, the private solar on the island, and been keenly involved with the sustainability working group out there. So this November was the turn on of the, the Tesla battery and the solar field uh, and the turn off of the generators out there. And luckily, we were out there for that, and it was just phenomenal to be out there for the first days uh, on the island, a World Heritage Island, one of the most beautiful places in the world where they're able to turn off the diesel gensets. It was it was just a real moving feeling. So uh, rather that, that, than being controlled by, yeah, by that, diesel that, generators. It, it's it's yeah. solar. And so tell us what, I mean, Lord Howe's been an enigma for energy, right? It's been such a difficult problem to solve out there. It's been talked about for decades and decades and decades and decades, I decades. know. 
Uh, I've got a file on my I've got a file on my computer with PhD reports of the reasons why Lord Howe should go solar. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, and so it's finally finally it, there. It's finally happened. Yeah, oh, amazing! It's great. How much solar yeah. have they got? How much battery have they got? Uh, two point one megawatt hours of battery and one point two meg of solar. But all the solar is not completed due to COVID. Uh, they're about two-thirds of the way through it now and still really getting better results than what they expected. They're looking to get 70% reduction in diesel. Uh, initially, the plan for uh, the design which ARENA approved was to have a couple of 300-kilowatt uh, suitable, uh, cyclonic-suitable wind generators out there, but um, there was a captain's call by Mr Frydenberg uh, not to do that. Yeah. Just can that phone. So it's it's just solar and and Tesla battery now, but the, wow. yeah, the results are going to be phenomenal for the island. I think you'll find that um, they'll get better results than they predicted, and there's quite a push out there now. We're on electric vehicle number five out there now, so we're trying to decarbonise the the fleet. That's our, our next passion. So we've got a couple of. Um, uh, NV200 Renault vans and a couple of the small Mitsubishi uh, Miev vans out there, which, you know, with only seven kilometres of road and and uh, 25 kilometre hour speed limit, oh. it's perfect. Yeah. Oh, it's a dream for electric yeah. vehicles, isn't it? We love it, it really electric is. vehicles. Yeah. We love low speed stuff, <laughs> short range. It's yeah, and, and, and as far as the Nissans are concerned, uh, it's the most uh, temperate climate in the world. So the batteries will love it as well. Oh, beautiful. So, okay, so you went out, you yeah. sailed out. Uh, terrific. Let's go to Lord Howe. We love the place. We've been working on it. This is going to be exciting. You go out there, you see the power system come on. Uh, you think, right. Line up a few more electric vehicle sales. Right. Yeah, have yeah. A, eat some great food. Flog a few EVs, um, eat some prawns and some and, and some local seafood, hop in the boat and just have a, have a leisurely sail back. What happened then, Stu? Yeah. Uh, Monday the 9th of November, uh, we left about 6 o'clock in the morning and we were doing averaging nine and a half, ten knots, so we'd really punched out nearly 100 nautical miles um within 12 hours sailing conditions weren't perfect but they were excellent beam reach 15 to 20 knots um, reef down for the evening went to bed with a smile on my dial thinking we'll be back in two days this is wonderful and bang something left go uh and my life will never be the same since <laughs> uh, a bang is not a sound you want to hear on a sailing boat when it's dark if i'm not no mistaken. no it's <laughs> It's down. It's it's quite a new rig, and we had all the safety procedures. So luckily, no one was hurt, and all the safety procedures came into play. And it'll be a good, a good lesson to anyone that's into blue water sailing that that pair of bolt cutters that you meant to happen there to have there, uh, you really should have them there. And we did. Excellent. Strong, sharp knives, um, harnesses with safe lanyards for working in rough conditions and at night. Lots of, of head torches and uh, competent crew. So wow, wow. Yeah. So the rigging, yeah. the rig, something snapped. The rigging let go. It's night. You're in the middle of nowhere. Really, you're about, about in a four thousand in a four kilometer deep swimming pool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the rigging's yeah. let go. Uh, and 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 what do you do then? What do you do? You've, you you send out a mayday, presumably, right? 
We did, actually, and, and it should have been a pan-pan rather than a May Day. So that was retracted a few hours later because a May Day establishes a search and rescue. A pan-pan just says we've had a few problems and we're all okay. Um, so we made the boat safe. We cut the rig away because it, it risked puncturing the hull. Yes. Um, we re-established communications. We had an auxiliary VHF antenna, which I'd carried thinking, why do I carry that? Now I'm glad we had that. Wow. So we were able to re re-establish channel sixteen VHF communications, which is ship to ship. Oh, because your antenna was up to... on the mast, presumably, and you lost yeah, the no, rigging. Yeah, the yeah, the antenna's in the bottom of the swimming pool. <laughs> um and we uh checked the electronics and the motor, so we're able to uh, start the motor and start heading back towards the way we were going. But unfortunately, the currents were against us. So normally we'd be able to make four or five knots under the electric motor uh, in sort of drawing about four and a half, five kilowatts out of it mm-hmm. and, um, and make our way. And we made a jury rig up out of one of the sails we had and checked our food and water and proceeded. Uh, <laughs> so did you... We did you were going to go back to Lord Howe, but you decided you couldn't because the currents, so you started heading back to Australia, right? Toward Port Macquarie, yeah. That's correct. How far was and that? And we quick 220 nautical miles, and we were making about two to three knots, so that's a couple of hundred hours, which is quite a few days. Um, so that's when the authorities decided that it was better to come in and give us a tow back in. So they did a fantastic job. Uh but unfortunately, they towed us in through the worst weather. So we kind of waited out there till the weather went bad, then got towed in. Wow. So wow. That's the way it happens. But it's um, it, it all ended up safely. So, uh, yeah, so, the big so, thing was we're, we're able to run the motor for 70 hours, which I was quite happy with. So, right. Um, so from the time you, you, you went pan-pan and went, okay, cut the rigging, go into, you know, emergency mode, fire up the fire up the motor – you were actually able mm. to plug on for for seventy odd hours purely under electric and solar power. No, we had a generator, so we, oh. we did have some fossil fuel assistance. Excellent, yeah. excellent. Yeah, so we have a backup generator. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was pretty uh, pretty overcast and clammy weather from there on in, so we didn't get much solar input. No one's going to give you grief uh, for that, Stu. That was the right call to make. Uh, and thank goodness we did have. We did. We did carry a new um, Sun Sunman flexible panel. Ah, yes. uh, I've put a few of them on boats in the last month and uh, work fantastically. So the uh, the house battery that runs all the um, the twelve volt systems, the radios and the and the communications, the autopilot, the fridge, all that sort of thing was backed up with Sunman panels, and they were great. Thank goodness, uh, cold beer, flexibly cold. attached. Yeah, you're going to go yeah, down yeah, here. They'll, they'll be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there'll be a bonus to the uh, to the to the maritime uh, to the sailing fraternity. I'm I'm sure you'll see a lot of the Sunman panels banged on to uh, onto uh, blue water yachts now. They are perfect. Oh my goodness! I'm being so I, yeah. I feel bad laughing about it. I mean, it's really easy to laugh about it yeah. now, and and because I wasn't there. But my God, what a terrifying experience! So you you you're motoring along. You get seventy hours. Uh, you 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 you're using up precious uh, fuel, presumably running your Jenny. And and uh, marine rescue uh, comes to the rescue. Um, tell us, walk us through, walk us through what happened. New South Wales Water Police from 
uh, Nelson Bay uh, from the uh, Australian Maritime Safety, AMSA, were directed to come out and tow us in. Um, they communicated to us via satellite messaging and said they'd be out in five or six hours. It took them 12 because the seas picked up. They expected to be back within another 12 hours. The total trip for them was 54 and the police, the water police were sick as dogs. Um, oh. <laughs> we, we were used to it, but uh, it, it was quite an experience um, being towed by them, but they did a fantastic job uh, and really much appreciated. They'll be up in Port Macquarie uh, in the next week or two and uh, we're really going to take them out for a good meal and a thank you. Uh, the actual you the press reception at... Uh, Nelson Bay was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> National That's helicopters. What I, was, I, was yeah. Yeah. I was literally sitting there, uh, you know, eating dinner on the couch and watching new, yeah. watching the news, and there you are being interviewed, yeah. just been rescued. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hilarious, really. That um, uh, that uh, so many uh, press are there on the on the jetty waiting to receive us, and none of them knew how to uh, to take a line to secure the vessel. Put the cameras down, guys. Take a rope. <laughs> Could you just tie us up so we yeah, can end yeah. this thing? Yeah, right. Yeah. Wow. So you made it through. Um, uh, what? What? Two. Two final questions to wrap up. What did you learn, and would you do it all again? Do it all again tomorrow. What did we learn that all the safeties that we had on board, we used actually everything that's in the category one safety requirements that's the satellite communication equipment oh we didn't use the life raft we had a life raft we used like i said the halyards and the um, lanyards and um, harnesses we used the knives we used the bolt cutters we used the flares we used the first aid kit we used the emergency water and the emergency food so yeah wow. guys yeah carry that had a lot of time to listen to podcasts doing two hours on, four hours off. So I caught up with all my Solar Insiders and uh, <laughs> Energy Insiders podcasts, which I'd dutifully downloaded before I left. And a, a lot of reflections about, hey, some more energy density would be good and, <laughs> and, yeah. and the benefits of fossil fuel backup generators. So, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah, there's, there's a, there's a yeah, there's a lot of people now sailing with electric motors and there's a lot of electric motors in boats and they've really, really come a long way. So it's it's you know, hybrid and electric boats are, are the way of the future. And, you know, with the power density of panels, uh, the Sunman panels on uh, catamarans will, will now be a big thing because the, the previous iterations of flexible panels really haven't been good enough for the harsh marine environment. Wow. Yeah. Wow, that's um that's the most incredible story, Stu. I'm I'm um so um thankful that you made it back. Nowhere near as your family, I'm sure, but I'm so thankful that um you know the solar industry keeps you for another day, uh, the electric vehicle keeps you for another industry keeps you for another day. All the lessons that you've uh, uh, learnt and all the experience that you've got uh, that that I know you love to share with with. Uh, other people in the industry uh, hasn't been lost in the deep blue sea. Um, it's a testament. It's a testament yeah. to your courage and your planning and your expertise, mate. So, well done. Um, uh, thanks for sharing your story. My goodness. Uh, yeah. 
Thanks so much, Nigel. And we'll have the solar coaster back uh, back on the water, uh, hopefully before your zero is <laughs> back on the road. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a strong chance that it could be before mine. Beautiful, Stu. Hey, mate, so good to chat to you. Thanks so much for sharing your story and take care, mate. Yes. Thanks, Nigel. And that was uh, Nigel Morris talking with Stuart Watson. Um, fantastic, um, fantastic to hear those insights from the start of the solar industry and his involvement with electric vehicles and some of the exciting things happening in Lord Howe Island and his excitement with, um, with, with a solar coaster yacht. You know, everyone's been on a solar coaster, but not one that threatens to sink in the high seas. But, um, but there you go. So <laughs> take care out there. Um, take care, uh, Nigel. Um, thanks to everybody out there. Um, for listening to the podcast, do check out our other podcast, the Energy Insiders podcast and the Driven podcast. Um, we'll be back in a couple of weeks, hopefully with Nigel on board, recovered from his virus. I'd like to thank all our sponsors, um, Sonar Analytics, Sunweds and Clenergy. Let's hear a particular message from one of those sponsors now and that'll be, uh, we'll be back in, back in a fortnight. Bye for now. Solar Insiders was brought to you by Clenergy, the providers of high-quality mounting systems for residential, commercial and utility-scale solar projects. With in-house engineering and projects divisions, Clenergy provides a unique edge with its expert advice. Let Clenergy find the right framework for any solar application. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by SunWiz, Australia's leading service provider to the solar and storage industry. SunWiz's new partnership with OpenSolar will amplify the value delivered by their world-leading solar software platform. Run your business at maximum velocity with pro setup, training and assistance. Visit sunwiz.com.au. Solar Insiders was also brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.